welcome to the BJJ Camps podcast. Just put that down. Our guest today is Ash Williams, who's pretty much just coming up to the middle of the last day of the camp. How have you found it so far? Uh, yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, it's been a nice different format to be able to coach over um, a period of sessions to give guys more chance to take information in as opposed to trying to like, smash it all in in a short duration. Uh, obviously, unfortunately, it's um, a little bit rainy up here in the, in the, the lakes at the moment, so yeah. I was hoping to get around a little bit and see some sights, but um, I've seen the mats and the inside of my hotel room, so yeah. <laughs> it's all good, though. You know, It's always uh, part of the BJJ lifestyle. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a reason there's so many lakes up here. Yeah. It's just rains all the time. Yeah, you, get a, you get a few good days in summer. Um, where we say we try and do plenty of camps over that. I can well. imagine, yeah. Man, it's, it's beautiful, I imagine, up in the, up in the summer. We drove, up, we drove up here last year to fight uh, on the Scottish card. It was like, quite nice coming through. Yeah. The views are spectacular, but, um, you know, like it was uh, it's quite a lot of uh, intense teaching over the over the two days. Yeah. Um, really enjoyable, though, like a good group of guys. And uh, very, very, it's very interesting the fact that there's quite a lot of people from different gyms. Mm. Uh, like, I've not really taught, apart from that BJ Summer Week, Yeah, I've not really taught like a camp-style situation before, so usually it's like a seminar at a gym where it's the whole vibe is basically based on that one gym's vibe. Yeah. Um, so if everyone like is like um, quite rowdy or everyone's like quite geeky, like the, the kind of gym has a vibe, yeah. where it's with different at camps because you kind of get a mixed bag, so like some like kind of jokes or some techniques go down really well, and then other parts like uh, like uh, psychology or like my outlook or my views or my like uh, my lifestyle yeah. kind of like change from person to person, you know. So camp is a bit different and uh, definitely is uh, an interesting way to teach. I think personally, the reason I put them on is one, you get outside of your gym and outside of your, sort of your comfort zone, if you will. Um, but you get to train with many many different people. Yeah, and I tell you, like I thought that was a sparring yesterday. Like we sparred gi yesterday. Um, which I actually, I said, I forgot. I didn't even know we were doing gi. So I was driving up from Swansea yesterday without a gi. Um, so, you know, like, sparring the gi yesterday was good fun. Um, and, like, everybody had, like, different styles. Um, and uh, everybody rolled, like, in really, like, I don't want to say, like, polite manner because I, I do feel like you should, you should spar hard. Mm. But, you know, when you first meet somebody, you don't really want people trying to, like, pull your limbs off, pull your head off, you know, like... Um, there was quite a nice vibe and atmosphere set from from the start, you know. So it was nice to actually roll in that environment. I think personally, I think there's a, there's a big difference between sparring hard and just trying to beat everyone in the room. And that's that, that's one of the biggest biggest things I try to focus on is whether I'm sparring at camps with people or in my own gym. It's more I like to try and practice certain things, yeah, and fuck up. And go wrong. Yeah, we well, we talked about this quite a lot back um, down with the, the the team. You know, like if you think of jujitsu as a sport, it's designed um, to break your opponent's limbs yeah. or tear ligaments or like you're trying to damage the human body. Mm. Yeah, when you actually compare the injury rate on a generic jujitsu mat compared to like a rugby pitch or a football pitch, it it's not even that bad. No, and. Is because if you spar like that, that to me is the difference between like sparring hard uh, and sparring kind of like to hurt your opponent. Yeah. Because you can spar hard in jiu-jitsu and look after your partner with zero risk of injury pretty much at all times. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons why uh, I'm quite pro sparring with weight classes, etc. Because it's not the techniques the problem; it's the collision that's the problem when you've got heavier guys on the mat. Yeah. If they slip and ninety kilograms like lands on your arm or your leg. And you're 60 kilograms. Yeah. I mean, that's that's heavy impact. You know, it's impact you could do without. And that's actually what why a lot of injuries happen in other contact sports, is because they can't really control the collisions. You know, yeah. rugby they can't they can't control the collision. Yeah. When jiu-jitsu, you could actually control collisions by one, just utilizing good jiu-jitsu, and two, sparring like within your means, mm. within like weight classes or whatever. Yeah. You know. Um. So yeah, I really enjoy that. But just the fact is, you can almost spar. Um, I don't want to say 100%, but you can spar like properly every day and you pr- statistically you would you would not get injured. You think how much we spar as black belts or yeah, generic yeah. spar? Like if you did as many boxing rounds as we did sparring rounds in sparring and boxing, you wouldn't, you wouldn't last a week. No. There's no way, you know, it, which is pretty cool. There's, there's an element of 
me and you can go and roll now and roll near enough hundred percent, mm-hmm. and just before you get the submission, you let off at that last little second. Yeah, and for that, sure. That's, that's how you keep it. So it's, it's all about your control. I think that's with the, the with lower grades. That's the actual. Um, that's the prime reason for any type of injury or problems is the yeah. fact that it's not that they um, themselves they try and hurt their partner. Yeah. Is they don't understand where their limb is going to break or the limits. So they couldn't understand where their partner's limbs yeah. are going to break or the limits. So they actually think like, oh, um, I push harder. Oh, I, I shouldn't push as much. And they don't get that balance then, you know. Um, but I think with higher grades, so realistically, if you've got purple, brown and black belts on the mat and they're a collective group of guys whose goal is to progress, I don't believe there should be injuries in that environment. Um, no, and I think... Hardly ever. You will often get um, times where you slip on the mat and that... Yes. It can't be helped. Exactly. But if you're aware that you might get slippy, yep. you'll you'll change how you're rolling sort of hundred percent. You know, and like that's where like if we bring back to the idea of a camp where you like when I went to summer week, you know, like I stayed on the mat every single day for like two hours and just rolled with anybody from all over the world. Yeah. And I'm not, I not I literally didn't come across one person that I felt was trying to hurt me or mm. deliberately like like beat me to prove something yeah. um, it's always hard in nogi uh, I always find because if you're in an environment like that you touch hands with somebody and you have no idea if they're white blue purple brown black yeah, yeah, belt yeah, been done for 10 years or one month so you don't want to go too hard or too soft but like sometimes you go out with the gates a little bit like oh let's just feel each other out yeah. and then they're like a brown belt who's competitive and next yeah. thing they're like deep in a leg lock and you're like oh my god man I gotta go <laughs> you know, I, gotta, I gotta pick it up this. you know so like it's, it's, it's what actually like adds to the whole atmosphere of a camp feeling is the fact that there's so many people from different places doing different styles and in particular if it's um, nogi you, you literally have no idea of experience levels. Yeah. So you touch hands with anyone and it could be anything could happen. Yeah. Um, but as long as kind of everyone's in the like-mindedness of having good jujitsu, um, it's always a great learning um, and kind of the vibe is always strong. You know, it's always fun. I did summer week here. Um, yesterday, I was like, oh, in my head, I was like, I'm not going to roll that much, man. I haven't trained uh, yeah. for a few weeks, you know, kind of few injuries. I was like, I'll take my time because... You know, they they could be the most dangerous rooms mm. where a bunch of people come together who don't know each other. It could legitimately be one of the most dangerous rooms to be in because you know what anyone's gonna do. But after like three rolls yesterday, I was like, oh my god, I'll just I'll just keep rolling. Yeah. Like, isn't that roll yeah. anyone, man? This yeah. is really great. I'm watching them roll. This is super fun. Like, they've they obviously share the passion and love for jujitsu. Um, and often people who do go to those camps, they they that's why they do them in it. They blend a holiday or weekend away with jujitsu because they can share like one love with another. Yeah. And um, that's really cool. I think that's really fun, you know? Yeah, I think when, when we first started doing camps, and it, it wasn't sort of, there was nowhere really in the, in, in, in the UK especially doing them, uh, it was very strange because you would get, for me, I, I found purple belts more dangerous than anything because they feel like they've got something to prove. So they try a hell of a lot harder, but they're still just as spazzy as white belts. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, do, I know. Do, do you see what I mean? They've got a hell of a lot of technique, but they've still got an element of that spaz quick, fast to try and engage, but they want to win. Yeah, I do know what you're saying. I think, like, um, we uh, last year launched, um, like, a Welsh grappling camp, like, the idea of uh, an ADCC kind of prep camp. Um, and the goal was more to do with getting more bodies on the map of a similar size and shape yeah. um, to spar together. And you know, obviously, uh, you've attended the, you've yeah, attended yeah. them, you know, and, and you know, there's like a hundred guys on the mat, um, sparring, and even those camps, you know, I know people go hard, and I, you know, I've, I've flipped an act, like I, I roll with you, and mm. like I was like, ah, oh, like, man, I'm like around thirty, and I was like, we'll start to just chill now, and then next thing you're on my arm, and I'm like, yeah, we got to go, then, you know, we got to go, and like I know you're not gonna damage me, I know you're not gonna be trying to break me, um, but you're, you're, you know, you can be right. I've rolled with a ton of guys in those environments where. Um, especially when you travel to the gyms, mm. like the black belts tend to, or the brown belts tend to be like, yeah, they understand the concept or the idea of good jiu-jitsu, you know, they, they respect yeah. and appreciate it. And it's not about, they're not trying to win, they're just trying to beat you, they're trying to beat you in the mind as well, mm. you know, they're trying to battle your mind, as yeah. in they're trying to bring their jiu-jitsu to the table and also see us, where I think a purple belt kind of wants to bring, they want to show their jiu-jitsu they more. Prove they, they want to prove, yeah, it is like a proving ground, you know. Um, 
And I don't think it's like man when I was a pool ball, I was like it. <laughs> you know, yeah, like I, I was super competitive and yeah. I loved it, you know. Well, I think that that's why I notice it in people is because I was very similar. Yeah. I wanted to prove that I was worth my purple belt at that time. Yeah, I, I, I always say to people, I think if you make the purple belt, you'll make the black belt. Mm. Um, because your technique um, or your your re- repertoire of jiu-jitsu and like how much you understand of jiu-jitsu at purple belt isn't a million miles away from a black belt. Yeah. But your, your kind of discipline of control and um, uh, kind of like learning your ego, learning your place, I think that all comes at purple belt. Yeah. I think you learn a lot about yourself, not about jujitsu or purple belt. You yeah. know, like as in, because um, you you're gonna get technically better for sure. But I know these purple belts in my gym. You know that are like technical monsters. You know they're beasts on the mat and they're brilliant. Yeah. But the thing they haven't learned is about control and ego and uh, competitive mindset, learning mindset, and kind of how to keep all that together. Um, and in what environments that you should utilize the different ones. Yeah. You know. So. Going slightly away from that, but also staying very similar, um, talk about your mentoring program that you're doing. Um, Tell me yeah. a little bit about it. So, basically, like, uh, in lockdown, um, as everyone, I think, um, my income kind of got hit, and um, it wasn't um, even just about the money, it was, a, it was the fact that a big passion of mine, a big a big percentage, a big portion of my life got taken away from me, you know, like, my love of jiu-jitsu, and sharing that with people yeah. um, got diminished because I couldn't just, you know, we talked about this yesterday, but like the addictive yeah, yeah, yeah. personality type thing. Like, I think like to become great or anything, you've got to want, you got to love it. You've got to want to be doing it every day, talking about it every day, you know? And obviously when lockdown hit, I hit uh, the first time it ever hit for the for in the first year, which I like, what, two years ago, 2019? Yeah, COVID-19, yeah. So 2019, when we first hit, when we first got locked down. Yeah. Um, I actually took a few months just to chill out, spend some time with my wife, because uh, we were locked in the house together. Uh, I was doing like yoga every day, stretching, and mm. I really kind of like just filling a few holes in my life that I kind of been neglecting because of the st- lifestyle it is. It's kind of like yeah. forever snowballing. Then 2020, when we locked on again, I had a few guys match me from the gym going, look, Ash, like, you know, I'm really struggling with jiu-jitsu in my life, you know, because... I, I know, like, I don't like not having jiu-jitsu in my life, uh, mm-hmm. but the truth is I've done it for so long that I can actually go without it for a little bit and then come back to it. Yeah. Um, and I can almost do that sometimes happily, you know, have 10 days off, or I can just watch jiu-jitsu or talk to the boys about jiu-jitsu or, like, um, just even, just, like, play fight in the living room with, like, my ha- housemate. I mean, like, that's enough. But for, for some of these guys who've got, like, families, kids, wives who, like, don't do jiu-jitsu and they, they don't want to do anything to do with jiu-jitsu... Mm-hmm they kind of get segregated from the sport, you know, like, and when they get locked down in the house, they can't, they, like, lose that feeling. So what I started doing was I, I thought, these guys started meshing me, going, like, ah, I want to build jiu-jitsu, and I was like, cool, how about we just, you know, set up a Zoom, we set up a Zoom, like, room, uh, we break down matches, we just chat with each other, talk about jiu-jitsu, and give some drills to do that I could do in the house, you could do in your house, you know, and we'll start building from there. And it kind of had, like, a really good, um, positive influence uh, mm. on their life and it wasn't just about the jiu-jitsu at that point it was at the point that like it, it was like filling a void of the loss of jiu-jitsu to them and it was kind of making them happy you know and it was like making them because uh, you know I think a lot of people are going to struggle with mental health through lockdown I think it was one of the worst things f- um, for a lot of people Yeah, is lockdown if it affected you mentally it was going to be quite significant mm. so I wanted to try and stay like a positive influence in my students lives so initially I was just kind of setting up these zoom calls messaging them whether it's a phone call FaceTime whatever you know just giving them um, some time of my time just to kind of keep jujitsu going for them Yeah. then when the gym opened back up they were like oh I, I just love that so much how about you know we do what well, we do like um, like you know p- physical PTs let's just, just, just do jujitsu you know and I was like yeah wicked we'll, we'll start with that and we'll see how we go so I started with like five, six, one-to-one clients. Um, and now me and Tom Barry, one of my other guys, we call it the chimp school because uh, Tom Barry's known as the chimp down in our, our gym. Um, so we call it the chimp school. And basically he had like five or six clients. I had five or six clients. So what we did, we put them together mm. in a big group. And then we were like, right, guys, what we'll do, we'll kind of create this like little community where we do physical sessions. We've got like a private Facebook group. They've got our phone numbers, you know, so... It's kind of like a threat. It's an ongoing service. Like, you know, like, even when I've been away now, I've been messing the guys, talking yeah. about, like, their goal setting for the weekend stuff. So, 
last year, they stayed with us from March until December. Mm. You know, so they did nine months with us. Um, and they were doing four practical sessions a week, or they had access to four practical sessions a week. They had access to a Facebook group. Um, they had access to our set of numbers, and they could ask us to like film techniques for them. Uh, they could ask us like if there's any books we recommend, uh, basic questions about diet, basic questions about competing, mindset, mm. nerves. You know, kind of all the things that like you can't teach in a lesson. Yeah. When you're in a public class, there's so many things you cannot teach or talk about. Because you've got an hour, mm. and you've got to get those guys better jujitsu. You know that's what they're there for. They they pay you to, to get better jujitsu, but beyond jujitsu, for a lot of people who come to jujitsu, the social element, and even like the, um, you know, so they they look up to the higher grades and they look up to them as inspirational in terms of the fact they go out there and compete and yeah. you know they're doing this sport professionally or they're doing it full time, and I think a lot of people admire that you know and it's a very positive influence in their life. Mm. And at the end of last year, we got them all to fill in this like questionnaire form to say how they enjoyed the group through the year and kind of what um, what they enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy. And tons of it w- was to do with the idea of having the community, having people around them who were like-minded, who kind of like were goal-setting the same time as they were, yeah. going to tournaments together for the first time together. You know, like it was kind of just creating. And now these, we, we're up to about 16 guys in our champ school. And now they... Like they'll meet for open mat all together. You know, yeah. they'll go to open mat and they'll drill and they'll spar, they'll pressure test together and they'll enjoy it and they'll think and, and they are showing massive progress. We produced a few British champions last year, uh, both Gi and Nogi. Um, like a couple of guys got promotions in their job and they literally attested to the fact that like it's another fact that we're telling them to go after it, but we're giving them the confidence to go after it. You know, we're giving them yeah. a boost in confidence to kind of like put themselves out of their comfort zone. Uh, so then this year I thought I could do, you know, like I plan to travel a lot this year because I want to get around teaching more and I want to get, obviously I'm going to ADCC in Vegas. So I'll probably stay like a month out there. So as the world's opening back up, I was like, I can't keep being physically in sessions with people all the time. Like it's impossible for me to practically be there. Mm. So I thought I would start this mentorship program and I'm going to launch it in the next week now with my first set of clients. And the goal is is to um, give them my time, you know, like give them some advice on like how to goal set. Because um, most people measure me, it's not the fact that they feel like they're bad at jiu-jitsu, it's just they feel like they're um, like in a dark room. You know, they're lost. They, yeah. they don't know where to take it, which direction to go in. Almost plateauing. Yeah. That, sort of physically, That's it. A lot of people do message you about plateauing. And obviously... I believe you, you do, I do. I believe obviously plateau is a thing and, and everyone does do it from time to time. But then you get kind of stuck in a rut and yeah. you don't know how to get yourself out of that plateau. You don't know how to move forward or change your kind of mindset into a more productive one. Yeah. So I thought with the mentorship group, the plan is is to um, utilize a Facebook group or a community-based group like that uh, where I'm putting in continuous videos about what goals you should set for yourself this week, um, ideas about competing, how to get past competition nerves, exercises they can do in the house or pre-tournament mm. uh, that I've done in the past, which have helped me um, kind of be successful. And, you know, it's, it's still in its early days, but the plan is to build, again, build a community. And this community could be all over the world because it's only going to be an online platform. You know, it's not going to be yeah, a physical yeah. session. So I've had a few inquiries from uh, like Australia, uh, Europe, America already. And I think if I can build that platform and I can create the changes I believe I can mm. to help people progress, uh, the community can only grow. And my plan is to make it aff- like very affordable um, to have access to me um, personally in terms of uh, right now, I've kind of limited it to like one technique question a week, um, yeah. one Zoom call and one phone call a month. Um, and then obviously I'll be posting. And you can you can have an unlimited post. You can question as much as you want. Yeah. But... In terms of specific, you could ask like, "Oh, like, what are your ideas on competition nerves?" And I will put a voice note or a video in the group to kind of give you something to watch or listen to. But in terms of like, "Oh, like, I'm having this problem in Delhiva." Yeah. Can you video a technique response? Um, because again, with the traveling side of things, I can't always guarantee I've got an able body with me to teach a technique. Yeah. So if I limit everyone in the group to one a week. Right now, I can guarantee I'm hitting the mats, obviously, more than once a week. Yeah. But I can guarantee I'll have time to um, give you a comprehensive 
video on that. Yeah. And that's the plan to start with. Um, and then in the setup to it, so like obviously I try to read quite a lot now. Um, and I picked that up through lockdowns. So the truth, I started yeah, through we lockdown. Yeah, about that earlier. Sort of different books to read and. Yeah, so like my plan is is to recommend a book we could read as a group, and then obviously we could uh, kind of like a book club, you know, just talk yeah. about that book at the end of the week. Um, and the first few I've selected are like very simple, basic mindset ones where I believe like it encourages. Um, it's not about discipline. I think discipline's used wrong. It's about um like the, the make your bed is one of my be- my favorite books yeah because the way it describes to make your bed is the fact that if you make your bed you're one task completed within two minutes of waking up mm. it doesn't matter whether you want to or whether you believe it looks better made or whether you'd rather get back into a made bed or none of that it matters that if half the population do not do it you're one task ahead of half the population within the first yeah. two minutes and then if you read a book called atomic habits and you can habit stack that you will automatically start becoming into a more positive um, kind of snowball in yeah. the morning. So when you wake up and then you've made your bed, done your vitamins, done your food prep, like you, your bedroom's tidy, your car's clean, your house is tidy, you know, everything that's kind of leads to more positive, Just feel being happy. Just productive in general. Yeah, because when you're feeling happy, you, you're more likely to want to do more things that make you feel happy. Mm. So, like, often if I stop reading, for example, it's one of the first signs to me that I'm starting to become more unproductive. Because mm. when I don't read, I usually fill that time with watching bad TV shows. Yeah. Like, binge-watching rubbish shows on Netflix. And then when I... I beat that sometimes yeah, up. You know, when I, when I binge-watch those shows, though, I start eating poorly because I start snacking whilst watching that. Yeah. So, like, the, the idea of habit stacking can work positively and negatively. Mm. So, if you start the morning on a positive one and you keep stacking that one... Like almost through the day, it just keeps the stack going until you're in this like just momentum snowball that doesn't yeah, stop. Yeah. And you just every time you're like, Oh, I was gonna do this tomorrow, you just go, Well, I'll just do it now. I'll just yeah. get up and do it now because I I'm in this like positive mindset, I'm in this zone where like I feel like I can't be stopped. Yeah. And when you carry that into jujitsu, it just keeps going. Where say you've got a negative stacking habit going and like you're eating bad food, you're like not got a good sleep pattern or anything else that that is is in my opinion um detrimental to just a healthy lifestyle mm. when you actually go into jiu-jitsu having a negative mindset in jiu-jitsu is probably one of the toughest things to have in the sport mm. because it's such a hard sport anyway yeah so if you already go and assuming you're going to lose no techniques are going to work and you're going to have a bad day you may as well not step on the mats mm. you know and that's how i feel about jiu-jitsu like when i walk when i go down to the gym whether I'm listening to an audio book or whether I'm listening to like music that gets me not not pumped because I don't believe in like raising my emotional state uh, before training. Yeah. Um, I think like it's music that makes me feel happy. Yeah. Because when I get to the gym, I'm happy and I'm always like, yeah, let's have a good day. Let's go be productive. Let's go learn more stuff. Let's try it out. If it fails, it's not a failure. It's just a chance to learn. And yeah. Like that that mindset carries over them. That's something that sort of going more specifically into into jujitsu is the ability of to actually put your own thought process to one side and, and act, actually learn from failure. So instead, especially when you're sparring or trying something new, not getting frustrated as you're stepping forwards. Yeah, I um, discuss this with uh, a lot of my students in particular, the ones that, um, the best way to describe this is like, uh, I think a baby is the best way to describe this. If you've got a baby or, you know, you, you've got your own child. Like, I haven't. I've not got kids. I've got a nephew. Uh, and I've been around a lot of um, really young um, children through, like, teaching jiu-jitsu mm. or parents bringing their babies in for their kids. You know, other kids do jiu-jitsu. And you watch them develop. And when you watch, like, a baby trying to walk, mm. like, although they're frustrated because they can't, it doesn't really ever stop them from trying again. Mm. They'll just yeah. pull themselves back up and fall back over. Yeah. But I almost think that almost gets beaten out of us as we the older we get and the more in routine with our like nine to five job or like house with a you know, house with a wife, a dog, kid, you know, and like your routine starts to just fall in place, mm. you're less likely to go outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And that's what failure is, isn't it? Failure is just going outside your comfort zone, trying something mm-hmm. Absolutely. and the result can't be predetermined. Yeah. 
you know, like, because when you're a kid, like, I, I always think back, like, when I used to go down the gallery or stuff as a kid, and, like, I would jump gaps between rocks. Yeah. I'm far more physically able now than when I was 12 years old. But if you ask me to jump some of those gaps that I did when I was 12 years old, I'd say, no way. I'd be like, no way. Like, because like, now, as an adult, I've got the ability to predetermine the outcomes that could happen. Yeah. So I could literally be like, oh, no, because I could slip and die there. No, this could happen. Or that go wrong. I could twist my ankle there. It's not worth it. I could, you know, I could, there's so many things you could already decide as the outcome rather than success. Yeah. Where a kid, you go, because I like, like, when you teach kids jiu-jitsu, apart from a, a, a few kids, like the outliers, the 90% of class, if you decide, okay, guys, we're doing a simple technique today. It's called an inversion. Let's just start spinning on our backs. They'd all just try it. Yeah. Where an adult would look at it and now have the ability to predetermine the negative outcomes. Yeah. So they would go, oh, if I do that, my back's going to go. Oh, if I do that, oh, I just can't do that. How could a, how could a human get in that position? Oh, I could. St- I stopped doing that when I was 20 years old. Like, oh, there's no way. I, when I was a kid, I could do that, but not now. You know, the they, biggest thing, I think, is they feel like they're going to look stupid. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they, they predetermine that they're going to fail, therefore look stupid and get embarrassed. And then that kind of vicious cycle keeps doubling down on those negative outcomes. Yeah. Because they think then they're going to try again, get frustrated, they'll look, they'll be embarrassed for being frustrated in front of people. Mm. And it just, it's always just, it's this vicious negative circle you're in. And um, I say, like, like some of my students, Aiden, one of my students in particular, he is very big on uh, this in terms of me being a coach to him. Like, he always says, like, to be fair to you, I give it to you, you will just put yourself out there and try anything mm. like you literally try it, it doesn't matter if I said look like say Mark McQueen like who, if you don't know who he is obviously he's a big huge guy from Scotland mm. who everyone does not want to stand with or own Levisi for example yeah. if you they were if you if someone said to me oh Ash will you go and try and wrestle them I'd go yeah I'd try and take them down what, what the worst that can happen is I won't do it yeah. and I'll just fail and they'll take me down what and the whole world gets to see me getting taken down by own Levisi I'm not going to go home to my mum and cry about it, am I? I'm just going to go, oh no, it didn't work. Yeah. Okay, I'll try again. I think accepting failure is normal and there is no progression without failure is something that's big. And you look at it even more simply in looking at it from a gym perspective. If you say to a new PT client that was coming in, right, I want you to lift X amount of them, you're aiming for 10 reps. Well, what if I don't get to 10? Good. Yeah. That means you're fatiguing. That means you're tiring, which means you're going to progress. Yep. But my aim was to get to 10. So? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think um, I speak about this quite a lot when I teach is that, like, I still think the method in which jujitsu is taught um, is, is, is kind of set up to almost weed out, like, the guys who want it or don't want it from the start. Yeah. It yeah. does. It it doesn't actually encourage guys who want to learn about the sport but aren't already like kind of like confrontational or yeah. fight or flight. I mean, like if you if you're a fight if it's fight or flight and you're a fight, I think when you come into jujitsu gym, you're li- you're licking your lips. You're mm. literally like, this is man. This is exactly what I'm looking for. But the guys who are flight, which if you think about it, the guys who kind of need jujitsu the most, mm. like the way it's taught in most gyms, it it doesn't actually suit them at all. Yeah, it's I, it's not it's not that it's not actually built structurally for those people because it doesn't teach them to try and fail and keep progressing and the fact the sport will eventually get you where you want to get to. Yeah. It kind of weans them out quite early by smashing them. Yeah. And you're like, how how is that productive? How does that help that person fall in love with the sport that you love? The truth is, I actually wanted to come to jiu-jitsu to compete. Yeah. And nothing to compete at the highest level. I just wanted to test myself against other people who were trying to do the techniques I was trying to do to them um, at 100%. But if I'd come and I was timid and shy, if I'd walked into the same room that I walked into in a different personality, I would walk straight back out. Yeah, I think it's, especially sort of in my gym, I think it's very different now to when I started because I used to thrive on going somewhere and getting my ass absolutely handed to me. I used to love that. Yes. I used to love that. I used to travel sort of Manchester, Preston, just anywhere that was sort of about an hour away that I could get to. I would go there get my ass absolutely handed to me and drive on with a big smile on my face. 100%. But like you say, it's not, that's not for everybody. So, no. So when I'm, when I'm trying to bring people in and get people involved, I push 
the problem solving aspect of it. A hundred percent. I think because everyone can relate to it. Correct. Yeah, everyone can relate to it. Everyone can build off that. It's like a forever changing puzzle, which um, is addictive. Yeah. You know, like it's just. I always say it's like a Rubik's cube that you've just learned to solve. And you're like, oh my God, this is the best thing in the world. And you wake up the next day and it's changed shape or changed size, and you're like, oh my, this is a new puzzle. You know, I get to do it again, but on a more difficult scale now. And I think like when you add that problem solving in with physicality, everyone might not come and be physical, or everyone might not come to problem solve. When you blend the two, mm. you'll eventually learn to love, vice One versa. You let you you you'll start to learn love. You'll start to love them both because you'll learn that they're entwined. You know you have to eventually love the physicality and the problem solving. Yeah, I mean for me personally, for me it's eighty five percent problem solving, fifteen percent physical. Yes, that, that's what I enjoy. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's the mental side of it that that I find most addictive. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, man, I I like. I said like I lost um in the British Nogi. I didn't post it up my on my own social media to Elsie. Yeah, Elsie yeah, yeah. a beast, you know. Uh, it's no, um I say all the time like if you lose someone, just have respect for Jutsu. Don't think you're rubbish. No, just have, a, I, just, I, I think Ellis is fantastic. I've, yeah, just, I speak to him quite regularly and so very st- admirable. Sta- Stand up guy, great yeah. Jutsu, you know, like uh, great opposition, you know. And um, when I lost him, I wasn't even. I didn't come home despite upset myself. I was like. Awesome, what happened? I've read it back, I've looked, I've looked at it back, thought through it, thought through the pivotal point in the match. Um, and the truth is, part of my passing system doesn't account for um, Fishnet, uh, which is a guard mm. that um, they play. And I got swept with Fishnet twice in that day. And literally, the first session back, all I did is put myself in Fishnet. Uh, I tried to play Fishnet against everyone because I get to learn this whole new part of the game yeah. that I wasn't aware was that effective before. It's just pro- back and to problem solving. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what, yeah, like, it's brilliant. What, and like the idea of when you either win or you learn, I'm quite, I'm actually very strongly anti that um, statement. I think you learn and learn. Yeah. Because you win, you learn, you learn, or, or you lose and learn. You know, like um, you always got opportunity to um, create more problem solves, solving opportunities in any match. Whether you win or lo- lose, it, it doesn't mean you can't improve yeah. or take something from that match that will encourage you to want to be better. And the truth is, like, uh, you know, it was, it was my only loss last year. Yeah. But it was one of my favourite moments because, it, you know, I'm not going home going like, oh, man, I'm terrible. I'm going to lose an ADCC now. I'm going home going, it's awesome, man. Interest. Yeah, this is, this is going to, this is going to, like, propel that part of the game for me. And if I come against, if I come against that in ADCC now, I'll be ready. Mm. Same as I did for leg locks and wrestling. Yeah. And guard and top and bottom. You know, like I just start to learn every aspect to be prepared in every situation. And being exploited isn't something to be embarrassed about. It's something to be proud about. Mm. Because that's where the growth is. It is. So, you know, it's fun times. I think I, I always found the uh, you win or you learn. I, I, I never... I never understood that as a saying for the simple fact that what's the negative side of losing? Uh, yeah, like, exa- exactly. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. right, I don't get a nice little medal at the end of it, but that's. I think when you say that, I do think it kind of it's like it's an excuse almost. It kind of like you're kind of like oh, it's, a, it's all positive. It's all positive. You know, don't worry about the idea that you lost. But just embrace it. Embrace yeah. the fact you lost. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, um, I can't. I can't. I I cannot remember the life of me who said it to me. I went to the Europeans for the first time as a brown belt and I lost first match by an advantage and I was like distraught. Everyone yeah. was like, Ash man, you're gonna go, you're gonna kill it, like this is this is your time and I was like, um I certainly didn't think that at the time, you know, I wasn't I, I was nowhere near the competitor I am now and I was just going out there to test myself. Mm. I lost my advantage, I sat down and I was like quite more because sulky, um, mainly because I felt like I underperformed. And uh, it was someone from from Britain, they just came and sat next to me and they're like, How's it going, Ash? I was like <sighs> not gonna lie to you, I'm a bad day. They're like, what happened? I was like, I lost. And they go, oh, did you know? And I was like, yeah. And I went, how'd you go? And they went, oh, I lost too. And I was like, terrible, isn't it? And they were like, is it though? I was like, what do you mean? They were like, well, the Europeans, there's 5,000 competitors. Mm. Guess how many of them lost? And I was like, well, a lot. And they were like, no, no, not a lot, half. 2,500 people, you know, two, two and a half, yeah. you know, 1,000 people went out first round. Yeah. And then guess what we went the second round? 1250 another half you know yeah. so when you actually think about it when you win in the sport you're in a very 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 niche but more people experience losing with you than experience winning yeah because you, you, for the numbers to work out they have to so when you view loss as a bad thing 
you you actually you know like it's it's a lot of people are going to experience it, mm. you know tons. So why don't we just embrace losing? Why don't we just go like yes, it's a way to improve, to get better. It's a way to learn. And we we spoke about this in our pro team. We we sat down with our pro team to start this year, and we said right guys, you know this year, I know because um, Drag as a team, you know uh, Drag is led by. Uh, a, a bunch of coaches and athletes, um, guys have been killing it, and and we had a really good year last year, winning uh, the British Norgi um, team trophies, um, which was uh, a big achievement for us. But we we sat down with our team, and we said, look, guys, like you might come off the back of this high now, thinking we're a winning team, but fine if you you win until until you don't, mm. you know. You, and now when. So like the, I always say like the last time I got submitted was 2016. Apart from maybe I overtime in an actual match, the last time I got submitted was 2016, and Ellis has broken that run now, um, with his submission win over me in December last year. Yeah. And I was like, how does it feel? And I'm like, it feels like a weight is off my shoulders. Yeah, because I understand when, exactly. When the when the snowball keeps going of winning and you can never lose, people start to get this perception of you that like. It can't happen, yeah. And you, you're not human, or you, you know, you, you, you're invincible, and like no one's gonna be able to do that to you. And I just believe that, like, that's why I believe you, you should be okay with losing, because as soon as you start to believe you can only win, you start to put so much pressure on yourself that performing becomes impossible. Mm. And then when performing becomes impossible, you actually stop competing out of fear of the very thing you said that you would always do, which is compete. Yeah. You start to fear the idea of putting yourself out in front of people because to you now the only outcome is available is that you can only win. Mm. And 50% of people lose. Mm. So it's, it's, it's not possible. You have to go, every time you step in the match, you have to be willing to lose to be able to win. Yeah. You know, the willingness to lose allows you the opportunity to win. And that's what we told our team. We said, look, guys, like, like any of our coaches, like uh, my brother Josh, Chris... Uh, Tom Barry, Jamie, Tom Tavi. Like we got a selection of coaches. And if I phoned any single one of them right now and said, hey, man, i got to match you tomorrow, they would put themselves out on those mats and step on there and compete. Yeah. And if they lose, they'll turn back up Monday and they'll go coach all the same and they will just keep driving the team. But we got students now who are blue purple belts coming up. And I feel like they're starting to feel that pressure. Mm. You know, they're starting to feel the idea of that we're a winning team so they can't be they can't be the one that loses. Yeah. And therefore, the best way to not lose is to not compete. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You know, and that, that's what I think, like, in jiu-jitsu, you've got to get over. And that's why you should, on the mats, you should put yourself in precarious positions, in sparring. You should, you know, you should just embrace any part of jiu-jitsu. Just try new things. You try Baron Bolo, you get your back taken. Yeah, I think, try, Who I cares? think actually trying new things and, learn, and losing during sparring... I think if, if you start only trying to win when you're sparring, you're really setting yourself up for very, very slow progress. Yeah, and and actually a big fail, a big yeah. failure because the failure dump is going to be that much heavier. Like when you eventually do lose, you've been mm. so protective of winning that when you lose, it's like a slap in the face. Mm. Whereas if you just you just keep battling between the two, you just embrace them both. Yeah. That's it. The, the more you try new things, the more you're going to fail until you don't fail. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. And I think, yeah, yeah. I think you have to... The failure means that the progress is coming. I think the, the biggest thing, if I was to advise anybody sort of lower down through the ranks coming up, forget about winning. 100%. Forget about, especially inspiring. Especially inspiring. 100%. It's all about mat time and XP. Yeah. 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 And just absolutely forget about winning. Forget about the fact that, oh, you know, you've not been swept for three days. Great. Go and allow somebody to sweep you now. And then battle to get back up on top. Hundred percent. Work I, from the mistakes. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think, and I think it's, it's one thing that, everybody will go. Oh, there's no ego in jujitsu. There is. Of course, there is. Oh yeah. Everybody, everybody's got some form of ego that can be bruised. I just look at ego as like a devil and a angel on my shoulders, yeah. and the goal is is to listen to them both equally, uh, and pick the best point of view yeah. at that given time. Do you mean it's not about slap one off, slap one or like picking one the, the, the best one? It's about just controlling your ego where it's required. You know, like sometimes you need the devil to tell you, come on, man, let's go. Get up now. Nah, you're not a chump. Let's go. Come on, yeah. that guy's a chump. You need that. But then you need somebody else going like, you don't need to be this guy's bad. You know, you don't need to be trying to prove that you're the best. You don't need to try and prove that you're this or that. Just just, just enjoy the process like everyone else is. Find that internal balance that you've got. 100%. Um, speaking of balance, we... One thing that you've done this weekend that I, I found very, very interesting is a lot of the balance drills that you're doing to, in your passing. 
Yes. What set you up in doing those as specific drills that aren't quite sparring but are re- very reactive? Yeah, so um, as a coaching team and, and stuff, you know, like uh, we, we discuss these things often and uh, I've, I've said it for, for a few years now from travelling, looking at different gyms, seeing what different people are doing and in particular looking at different sports. Mm. Everything jiu-jitsu is like an, it's, it's still early. Very ju- ju- jiu-jitsu is young. Do you mean yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not developed enough that you could say, because um, I say all the time, the one thing I've always said that I, I don't believe in luck, really. Okay, that I believe you, you kind of you, you just you work and you get the results. Yeah. But the one thing I do believe is luck for me was I stumbled upon jujitsu in the era that jujitsu was growing. Yeah. Because if I stumbled on jujitsu and in fifty years from now, I might never have taught a seminar because yeah. there could be a million people in the UK doing jujitsu. And I make it to the top hundred thousand. Yeah. Not the top hundred or the top ten or the top five. Yeah. You know, the more people who do the sport like football or rugby, the less people make it to the top. Yeah. Obviously. So I always say that I'm lucky that I made it to jujitsu when I did. And the fact that that was jujitsu is the f- where the it's such an, a young sport that when you compare it to other sports, often the way we train it again is. Wildly, like just wild. This is, yeah, it's, it's, well, we discussed this a lot yesterday as well. Yeah, you know, like just you just learn something and then just spar, you know. So, we were trying to think about like st- we we try to always segregate parts of the sport and even to p- points where like we, we think about like specific sparring, press testing, and full sparring as like a journey of when you learn the first technique. Mm. You gotta have the partner, it's like lifting weights, you, you would try a weight then you'd add 2.5 kilograms mm-hmm. and what you actually need your partner to do is you need to add you need them to add a certain level of resistance which incrementally. would yeah, yeah incrementally up to the point where you find a working weight once you find a working weight you need to rep at that weight so that would be a partner providing a certain amount of resistance mm. but not trying to win and that's the, that is the problem was when you're early on jiu-jitsu I think a lot of people are just trying to focus on how they win but you win via working with your partner yeah so we started coming up with a lot more drills and a lot more things we could do to encourage parts of the sport that maybe aren't taught, like balance and base. Yeah. A lot of coaches would just say, don't worry, it'll come. How? How does it magically appear to you? Because it took me like 10 years to fully understand my balance and base. But because in classes, you don't get taught drills which are designed to make you intuitive with your own body. Yeah. Well, when you get drills that are trying to encourage that, it could lessen that learning experience from 10 years to two years or one year. So, for example, Tom Barry, one of my students, uh, you know, he's only trained four years. Mm. Um, and in my opinion, he's one of the best competitors in the UK mm. uh, already at 77. And, and this year, you know, I know he's going to try to get matches with all the top guys to keep that journey going. Yes, I've, I've watched a lot, of, a lot of him this past year and he's really becoming quite impressive. Yes, and and it was, bec- it was because when I when he came to me uh, initially for private lessons, I was like, look, we're going to try something new, and you have to trust me. You have to trust the process. We're going to go against the curve. We're not going to learn techniques straight away. We're literally going to learn basic stuff, like how to keep your balance and base, how to decide the best grip sets, the best way to put your feet, the best way to put your weight distri- distribution like where to con- like have your body at most times. Mm. And we drilled it for months and months and months, literally like a year of virtually zero techniques. He was going to classes and learning techniques for sure, but in our private lessons, we were just continually working on the idea of balance-based weight distribution, understanding the mechanics and leverage. And then after a year, and then you started adding techniques to that, he started to get very good very fast because yeah. we were adding techniques to a very very good underlying um uh, kind of base you know underlying like um because attributes you know like yeah. everyone's got attributes but people don't really work on those attributes they work on techniques yeah but what we did is we gave him a very core um set of attributes for jujitsu and i believe that's why he progressed so quick because uh, my brother's got another student called Jamie Dix, who was very similar. I trained for like four years under Josh, and Josh and him worked um, in a very different method, where they did a lot of 
um, learning a technique. So they took, they took a part of the game and then they did the incremental pressure testing. But they were very intuitive together. You know, they could work together very well. Yeah. And they would spend hours in lockdown just going, right, this is Dali Heaver, this is Baron Bolo, this is Single Leg X, this is Worm Guard. And they would just play it on each other for hours and hours and hours, but mimicking the idea of weights where you incrementally add the weights. Yeah. Um, which we're gonna try and we're gonna try and bring that type of sparring into our pro team this year. Yeah. The problem is you've got to have a certain level of jiu-jitsu before that's available to you. Um, but he's do he did that with Jamie and again Jamie like flew up through the ranks and again is uh, a killer on the on the competition scene. You know, and the, he had a few injuries and I think this year when he settles down now he is going to again just propel himself to the the lead of the UK yeah. jiu-jitsu scene. Um, but yeah, you know that that's what I think made me come up with so many drills regarding like just being intuitive with your own body because like how you control your body is how you can do your jiu-jitsu. Mm. You can't if you're a clumsy person even though there's no such thing. <laughs> like, because you can control that. You can learn to control that, yeah. you know? Um, so if you learn to control that and you did drills and you carried on practice and stuff until you became not a clumsy person, you would then, by default, become a lot better jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Like, that's why dancers, gymnasts, like, if I could have a team of pro athletes, I'd have a pro, I'd have a team of dancers and gymnasts mm. and then teach them jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Because they, how good they are within their own skin and they know their own body, like, to the very extremities, they know everything, how they move, and you give them jiu-jitsu, they're going to be incredible. Yeah, and they'll really progress quite well. I think uh, I said to my wife that if, with with our kids, if they're not interested in jiu-jitsu early on, we'll try and get them into gymnastics. For sure. For, for the exact same reason. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, it's, it's quite, uh, it's going to be quite interesting sort of watching them grow up because I'll never force anything upon them. If yeah, they of course. Want, if they don't want to do jiu-jitsu, then I, I can't make I them. Also, I always say the same with five kids. I, I won't make them do jiu-jitsu. Either, man. They can just, yeah. As long as they do something, like, that's cool. Yeah, that, that's that's my that's my sort of outlook on it. Do something physical that's good for your body, keeps your heart going. I don't care what it is. For sure, for sure. As long as it's not football. Uh, <laughs> tell me what your plans are for 2022, and then we'll finish off. So 2022, um, obviously the, the the biggest thing for me is ADCC. Mm-hmm. It has been like the top of my priority list for four or five years now. It's like literally everything I've just been thinking about. It's the only thing I've been thinking about. Um, it's the only time I've been emotional after I won. When I won trials, it's the only time where I've actually sat there and gone, oh my God, like we've actually climbed the ladder. We've, we've taken a step up, which I never thought we were going to take, you know. So as a team, it was brilliant and um, that was so cool. And the team is just going to keep doing that. We're going to build Drake. Um, as a competitive team, uh, we're going to target tournaments to go try and find the best teams to compete against because mm. that's what that's what good teams do. You know, they go out there and test themselves against the best of the best. So I'm going to keep trying to lead with my coaches from the front. You know, I'm going to try and keep pushing that. Um, truth is, I want to be as active as possible coming to ADCC. I think like you've got to just like you've got to keep getting that adrenaline dump, that the, the nerves, everything. Like, even I fought an All-Stars and I fought a blue belt in Nogi. I, fought, I fought, literally fought a blue belt in a Nogi tournament mm. in Cardiff with like 40 of my guys there and I was legitimately sweating. Yeah. Like, I was I was like wet sweating. I mean, I was like, oh my God, like I can't believe I'm about to get pieced up by a blue belt in front of my whole team. Yeah. You know, like, the truth is I get nervous in every tournament so I think the more I keep competing, it doesn't matter who it's against. It literally, it makes no difference to me because... Again, if you don't go in a tournament, um, knowing that an outcome is that you can lose, yeah, you, you won't compete forever. No, you know. So, like, I wanted to keep competing, and the truth is, ADCC is my goal. So, even if I lose leading up to ADCC, that's what we want because I want to be exploited. I want to be exploited for the first six months of the year, and then I'll sit down with my coaches. They'll be like, "Look, right, these are the gaps. These are the holes." And then in the camp that we do, like maybe six, eight weeks leading up to ADCC, um, we can fill all them. Yeah. We can make them right. We can we can do what I need to do. So if I go out there and compete and lose, you, you won't see me getting deterred. You know, like it's not the, the the idea is I need to go out there and test every part of my game because I know in ADCC I'm gonna be pushed to my limits. Mm. You know, and that's what I want. I need to be pushed to my limits everywhere and anywhere. Um and yeah, that's you know we're gonna go to there, and then we're gonna see what happens after that. But the plan is to be as active as possible, travel, teach, um, be disciplined. You know, I want to be in the best shape of my life for ADCC. I don't mm. think you can take that lightly. You know, there's no way. Um, so no, it's like the Olympics of jiu-jitsu, isn't it? So yeah, 
you're gonna take it seriously. Yeah, and I have to just look after my body because you know I don't want to get injured or anything uh, on the run up. I just got to be in the best physical metal shape of my life. Mm. I'm ready for it. Um, and the truth is, I think I think I'm going to. I think we're going to. You know, my team is gonna is gonna be there with me, and um, and we look forward to kind of what I can do uh, mm. at that level. Um, you know, it's kind of like finally getting after the dance. I mean, it's just this time you know it's, it's, it's gonna be so cool and i'm just excited and, and to me it's not just like it's not a it's not an adcc it's like it's the adcc this mm. is the this is the biggest one there's ever been yeah you know the towel pool's growing every single time um and it's just getting harder and harder and more stacked you know like uh, six six kill division is just gonna be an absolute shark tank you know it's just gonna be killers everywhere and it doesn't even ask me like, who do you want who would be a dream matchup what's it matter I just want what's him at. What, what, yeah. you, what you, you think, uh, what a rather call a body or like Gianni Grippo or Gio Martinez. Uh, man, like pff, Gabriel Souza. Uh, they're just everywhere. They, they just kill us. Every single one of them. Michael yeah. Musumeki. Like, Completely how do you pick? Stacked division, isn't it? Yeah, how do you pick which one of them you'd like? Oh, yeah, I'll just breeze through him. <laughs> You're not going to, you know? So I'm just going to go out there prepared for everything yeah. and uh, just give my best. And uh, right now, that's literally my sole focus best way to be so we'll finish there is there anything you want to plug before we turn off uh no just uh obviously uh i hope you've enjoyed as always kid like i, no, I love giving my uh, brilliant having on, you up for um, counts absolutely and stuff you know and uh and uh i always say this you know drag is down um our kind of base of operations at swansea we've got uh we're kind of a big we're expanding our affiliation and we've got a team in bristol uh with coaches there we've got a team in Kamalashell, coaches there um, and we're just going to be taking the team to the next level. And, you know, if you ever want to come down and train, uh, please, you know, our doors are always open. We always try to be welcome. And the truth is, more bodies on the mat. Um, I always, I've said this for a long time, is that the UK need to stop looking inwards and start looking outwards. Mm. You know, we need to compete against UK, we need to compete against USA, Europe. We don't need to, the be- who's the best in London, who's the best in Manchester. It don't matter no more. Too much of a small talent pool as well. Exactly. Who, We've wants, got, who wants to be that big fish in a small pond? Exactly. It's time to be a big fish in the biggest pond. Yeah. You know, so that's what I think we can do as a, as a country. And, I, you know, I want Drake to be a big part of, of that. Uh, obviously, it's time we fight where grappling industries, my sponsors, uh, couldn't do without them. And, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to a massive uh, 2020. Two. Cracking. 2022. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks for having me.